Welcome to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob. It happened to work out where I just torn my ACL the year that I was I was transitioning into to coaching with with Ball State. But I remember the first day I stepped on the floor at, at practice, and it was like I was home. It, it was like I was home. It, you know, all of the things that I felt like made me a successful player, um, you know, came from right here. Like I knew the game, I studied the game, I loved the game, I loved to watch film, I loved to be in the gym. No, I, I, I loved all of those things about it. And that just transitioned smoothly right into coaching. Um, and I was a worker, like I'm, I'm a worker. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be prepared. I'm going to make sure that I know anything and everything that, that I can. I might not have all the physical tools or, or, or gifts um, that, that other people do, um, but I'm not going to be outworked. Folks, when I finished my 100 miler, I was happy to be done, but I wasn't finished. The reason why my legs weren't completely bonked from running was that I used PR lotion by Momentus. It simply eliminated any lactic acid buildup in my legs, and it's the best product I've ever used. Momentus is a leading nutrition and supplement company which works with over 150 professional and collegiate sports teams. No other company has the accolades of being awarded six innovation contracts from the Department of Defense for Human Performance. Since I started using PR Lotion, I now use their plant-based protein, collagen peptides, and recovery formula. Look, if performing is important to you, do yourself a favor. Go to livemomentous.com. And for listening today, you get the best part, a discount. Enter code DRB20 for 20% off your order. That's DRB and the number 20. LiveMomentous.com. Optimize, perform, and recover. LiveMomentous.com. Our guest today, ESPN basketball analyst, is former head coach of the Indiana Fever, Vanderbilt University, and she won a national championship at Purdue University, where she was also player of the year, member of the uh, Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. She's also a former WNBA player. Our guest is none other than Coach Stephanie White. Um, coach, thank you so much for joining us. I, I, I really appreciate this. I, I, I've followed your career a lot and just really have a lot of admiration for you. Well, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So you have a new member of the family, Cashew, Cash. I mean, yes. how, how, how important is it to, to, to have a dog with the family? It's huge. It's huge. Um, haven't had one for about three years. And um, certainly as in transition and, and, and was building a home for about 18 months and it finally was finished. And our boys kept asking us, when are we going to get a dog? When are we going to get a dog? So we surprised them um, on Monday and they love it. He's awesome. He's six months old. He's, he's so much fun. And um, 
what I love, not just having a pet and all the, all the great things that come with that, but I love that it also helps teach responsibility to our children. Um, they have taken great pride in taking him out and feeding him and doing all of those things that it takes to, to, to have a pet as a part of the family. So I love that too. That's awesome. It was a rescue, right? Yes. He's a rescue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So coach, you, you recently spoke, and I know you speak a lot, but recently spoke on Mental Toughness Forum, which I thought you did a fantastic job. I wanted to, I wanted you to be able to share with our listeners your story. And I basically want to start, I mean, growing up, you played all the sports and you were, I mean, th- this was definitely at the age here where a lot of times like you were the only girl playing these sports. Mm-hmm. Um, walk us through like that time in your life and what kind of mental toughness was at that point and and how that kind of, you know, came out during, you know, through sports. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because as a, as a young kid, um, basically, you know, six years old up until probably about middle school or high school, it was just like, I was one of the guys, like, you know, we, we played ball at, at, uh, at the park or at my, my grandparents' house. Um, you know, I played baseball instead of softball because, um, you know, we didn't really have softball leagues for girls at that time. Um, I, we didn't have YMCA leagues for girls at that time. So I played on the boys team, same with soccer. Um, so it was like, I was just, I was one of the guys. Now it, the guys always wanted to beat the girl. <laughs> like nobody ever wanted me to win. So, um, as far as like physicality and, and, um, and, and toughness and pushing myself and hearing, you know, boys on the other sideline or in the other dugout saying, Oh, there's a girl pitching or this girl can't bat. And, you know, all of those things. Um, no, for, for me, it was more about just proving that I belonged as an athlete. Um, I love to play sports. That was, I love to do that. It's what I love to do. There was not opportunities. Um, and I'm not even sure at the time if there were that I would have wanted to participate on the girls side, mostly because like I was super competitive and I wanted to beat the best. Um, so it was always a good time for me. Um, certainly took a lot of, of focus, um, on, on sort of long-term keeping my eye on the prize. Like, what is my goal? Like my goal is to play college basketball. My goal is to position myself to accomplish things um, that most people who come out of small towns don't typically accomplish. So I can't allow comments. um, I can't allow teasing. I can't allow all of those things to derail me from what my ultimate goal is. And I just, um, fortunately, you know, it was a time where there was no social media. There wasn't a lot of that kind of thing. I uh, had great surroundings in terms of my family, my friends um, that encouraged me if I did get down and when I did get down. Um, but just being locked into the long-term goal of of what I wanted to do with with sport in my life um, kept me focused and allowed me to push through some of those times. Mm-hmm. So what took place as a, as a child when you told your parents that you wanted to play college basketball? <laughs> well, my parents were great. It was, they were a lot... Um, they were encouraging, but they were like, okay, yeah, you know, sure. This is great. Now you're going to have to work hard, right? You're going to have to, to sacrifice your time. Um, you're going to have to do things that, that other kids aren't going to do. Um, and so if you want to do this, this is, this is what you're going to have to do. I'm not sure they really thought it was going to be possible because where I came from, it just didn't happen. Um, my parents contemplated moving to a bigger school corporation where I would get recognized more um, and, and things like that as well. But you know, mostly they just encouraged me and, and kept me disciplined on on what it would take. 
And, you know, that meant not going to the pool with my friends, not going to the mall with my friends, not going to the movies. Uh, it meant when I came home from school, first things first, you're doing your homework. Once that finished, then you can go out and, and you can play. Um, and it's a lot of alone time. And, and I think that's one thing that my parents did really well for me too, was help me grasp the concept of you get better when you, when you work on your own. You know, this is not, hey, let's just go play pickup at the park with the guys. Like, sure, you're going to get better like that. But this takes a lot of, it's a lot of isolation. It's a lot of doing things when you don't feel like it. Um, and this is what you have to do if you really want to do what you say you want to do. And, and my parents did a really good job, I think, of, of locking in and helping me with that. They also sacrificed their time. I mean, my mom was not much of an athlete, but she would come out and rebound for me. You know, she'd take me to all the practices and my mom was going back to college at the time too. So my mom was a full-time college student. She was a full-time mother of three. Um, yet she still took me everywhere I needed to go, um, gave me opportunities that, that I needed to get. Um, and, you know, my father sort of took care of, of that, pushing me through the mental toughness side. Like you're going to face a lot. Um, fans in the stands, you know, people, um, you know, writing things in the paper, uh, uh, opponents, um, you know, and, and everyone else is working just as hard if, as you are to get that college scholarship. So what are you going to do to separate yourself? So my parents helped me out a lot and just, I think, helping me understand and being aware of, of what it really took. And if I was willing to make that sacrifice, um, how hard I was going to have to continue to work. Hey, good looking. If you like this podcast and are already a badass, but it's all way too complicated, then visit our website, drrobbell.com, and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was the one thing I appreciated is my mom. When my parents got divorced, she went back to school and put herself through school. And then same thing. I know yours went back to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. My mom went back to be a nurse. So I, I appreciate that. Um, and, and plus, it kind of gives you like an indication, right? The value of, yes. you know, watching your parents go through that stuff. Question yes. for you, coach. Mm -hmm. Well, go ahead. I may cut you off. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's it's really the ultimate um, role model in terms of, of work, of, of, of time management. Um, of sacrifice. You know, there were times where I went to class with my mom when my mom Same was here. in college at Purdue, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, you know, you go and, 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 and it's like, okay, well, this is my mom that's doing this while she has all of these other things going on. I mean, what a great example for me and for you um, to see what it took for them to get to where they wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, I I totally remember sitting in like the aisle because it was a night class. You know, yes. and I remember having to do that a couple of different times, and uh, that's funny. Um, I had a coach on here, and he he said something that's really interesting. You just kind of brought it up. He said, in order to be like great, he just said the best will find a way to just go on their own. And you kind of mentioned that. Do you think that is a definite trait to like being excellent? Is you have to go up. You got to be able to practice on your own. I think so. I don't think there's any question about it. I think there are a lot of players who who want um, someone to be there with them, right? Or they want to just go play and they don't really want to focus on all of the little things that it takes, 
know, to be successful. And in, in my mind, if you can't um, be intrinsically motivated and be isolated enough to be to, to get yourself to another level. And look, that can be isolated physically when you're doing your, your work in terms of, you know, fundamentals and practice and all of those things. It can be isolated mentally and emotionally. We all have to work through certain aspects of, of, of you know, mental and emotional preparation to position ourselves for success as well. It can be reading, right? Like let's grow. How are we growing our mind? How are we helping ourselves see all of these different, different things, you know, watching film, watching the game, you know, all, all of these different things for, for me, um, you know, it helped me when I, when I was alone and I was really working on those things, I didn't really need um, anybody else around. Uh, I, I felt, and, and I do feel like there's a separation. There's certainly, you know, you have a lot of really good um, successful people who weren't like that. Right. But the elite of the elite are, are, and you can just listen to them speak. You know, for me, it's, it's athletics, right? So if I listen to Steph Curry, when I listen to Kobe Bryant, when you listen to Michael Jordan, when you listen to Derek Jeter and Tom Brady, it's isolated focus. It's alone time working on your mental, physical, you know, toughness, wellness, uh, your game. And I think that that's definitely an indicator of, of success. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm getting pumped up for this interview now, coach. I'm I'm fired <laughs> up. I love talking to coaches. What at what point did you realize on your journey um that, you know, what what was a moment that kind of stands out before you got to school? Was it a coach that watched you? Was it a, a 50 point game? What was it that kind of stands out when when it was kind of like, well, I'm I'm good? Um, you know, I, I got my first college letter um, going into my eighth grade year. Um, I got it from uh, um, Louisiana Tech and a woman named Nell Fortner, who actually coached me for a year at Purdue and coached me for a year at the, in the pros. Um, and I got another letter from Sealberry at Colorado. And, and so I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I had been exposed at some camps at the time. Um, I, w- I hadn't started playing travel ball AAU wise. So I, I knew that there were options in terms of more exposure. Um, but yes, after my first summer playing AAU basketball and going to the national championship um, in AAU basketball as a freshman, and I started getting letters from the Stanfords, the Tennessees, you know, places like that, that, that I had watched in Final Fours, um, it, it told me, hey, this could be a reality. Now, I was just a freshman, so, you know, I had a lot of room to grow, and, and um, certainly my parents kept me, kept things in perspective for me, um, and then, you know, my next year, I took a, I took a big leap. I had, yeah, my first couple of 50-point games uh, the next year, and I was a part of a small school that, you know, but, but a, talented, a talented program for as small of a school that we were, and we were just blowing people out. You know, we were playing, we were playing great. And I remember my dad told me once, he's like, the greatest indicator of, of your opportunity to be success is how many people on the opposing fan and opposing fans stands don't like you when they're booing you, you know, when they're saying things to you, that's when, you know, you have to keep pushing through. That's when you know that, that you're on the right path to doing what it is that you want to do. I love that. I always, I always fall back on the Reggie Jackson quote. He said, they don't boo nobodies. <laughs> right. That is true. I hadn't heard no. that. Yes. And I, I equate that to even like today, because if, if they're talking about you in any kind of sense, that means you're doing something yes. they don't, because they don't do nobody's. If they're not doing anything, then they're just not going to be talking about you. No question about it. And that's even, I mean, you know, relevant when I was coaching, I talked to our players all the time about that on social media. 
know, how do you, how do you drown out the noise? How do you sort of isolate yourself from that? Um, if you're going to participate, there's going to be a lot of hate, right? There's going to be a lot of feedback. There's going to be a lot of negative feedback, probably more so than positive. And you're absolutely right. If you're not doing anything, nobody's going to be talking about it. <laughs> so that that's fascinating. You got a letter from Lady Texture's eighth grade, because even at the time, I mean, it was from my, my standpoint, right? It was them in Tennessee in yes. terms of like women's programs. Yes, it was. Um, when you picked Purdue, what was it that stood out to you about, about there? Yeah, you know, I, um, I grew up near Purdue. I, I grew up about halfway between Purdue University and the University of Illinois. Um, so I had gone to Purdue games my whole life. Um, but I originally majored in aviation, so I was a pilot. So for two years, I studied aviation at Purdue while going through athletics um, and then decided that, you know, flying was more of a hobby as opposed to, to a career. And, and I ended up changing. Um, my college choices came down to, to uh, Vanderbilt and Purdue, ironically. Um, and Purdue had a flight school. Vanderbilt didn't. So there was no WNBA at the time. Playing professionally meant you had to go overseas. So I knew that I had to, to choose a school based on education. Um, Purdue certainly had a good program at the time as well. And so, you know, being able to stay home, experience um, college basketball with the people in my community who had really supported me, you know, growing up my entire career, um, helped fund a lot of my, my travel. Uh, it was just important for me to, to be able to do that as well and, and to be able to give back to them and allow them to continue in my experience. I love it, Coach. So at Purdue, I mean, three coaches in, in four different years, and you talked about pushing through and that, and that being sort of a, a crossroads of, you know, the emotional ups and downs of the college athlete. Walk, walk us through that, that point in your life. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's tough because I think that every athlete expects, even though you know the challenges are going to be different, um, you expect it to be as easy as it was for you before, right? So, you know, going from high school to college, totally different jump, totally different ballgame, totally different preparation, um, commitment level, you know, balancing academics, athletics, you're on your own for the first time. You know, what does that mean socially? What does that mean from a responsibility standpoint, doing your own laundry? I mean, all of these things, right? Um, and for me, I was going into a program who had just come off of a Final Four, um, who had a, a, a core group that was coming back. And I came in as the person who was, you know, on USA Today, like every other week, right? Because back then people read the newspapers and it was, I was in the newspaper and I came in with all of this, this um, highly touted expectations. And there were players on my team who had accomplished much more than I had, at, certainly at that level. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a little bit of a, a reality check. You know, from that standpoint, um, coming in and, and, and being a freshman and trying to prove yourself to an already established team. Um, you know, we underachieved that year. We did not have great chemistry. Um, it was it was a tough, tough year. Um, our coach didn't get renewed. Um, most of our team left. We returned three scholarship players after that year. Uh, we brought in two incoming freshmen. Everybody else decided to go go other places. So there was a lot of turmoil. Um, and then Nell Fortner, who I'd gotten a letter from, from Louisiana Tech comes in and, and takes the job. And, you know, I had, I had at that point in my career, um, not necessarily thought about transferring, but thought about not playing. Like it was a hard, hard year for me, um, just emotionally as well as physically and, and, and going through all of those things. Like, this isn't what I thought college basketball was going to be like for me. Do I really want to do this? Um, and it was disappointing because my, since I was in, 
you know, I don't know, third grade, I'd wanted to play college basketball. And, um, and so it wasn't exactly what I expected. Um, Nell Fortner comes in and she comes in and she's this big, bright, like bubbly personality. And, you know, up until that point, I had been told like, you know, stoic face, like, don't show your emotion. Like you have, it's very business oriented. And Nell Fortner comes in and she's like, like, this is a fun game. Like, why do you play this game? If you're not going to enjoy it, have fun, smile, you know, high five your team. Like, let's have some fun. And after the game, we're going to go sledding down Slater Hill. And we're going to do like all of these things. And, and, you know, that was eye opening for me. Um, because even though I loved playing and I loved participating, I, I, I missed the moments because I was always looking for the next thing. Like, like, right, right. When we're focused on, on accomplishment and getting better all the time, sometimes we forget to embrace the moments that we're in because we're always looking to where we need to go. And that's where I was at that time. Um, Nell Fortner comes in and she, she sort of reinvigorates me from a passion standpoint for basketball. Um, we were picked to finish last in the big 10 because we had, you know, three returning players. We ended up winning a share of the big 10 title. And then Nell Fortner gets an opportunity of a lifetime to go be the U S Olympic coach. And at that time, the, the U S Olympics made a commitment to a year long program and coach prior to the 1996 Olympics, because we had underachieved by not winning gold, you know, multiple times coming, coming up to that. So Nell gets that opportunity and I'm crushed, right? I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to go through another coach. Um, you know, and, 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 and probably more turmoil, you know, weren't used to, kids aren't used to handling a lot of adversity. Right. So I didn't know exactly how that was going to go. Um, so they promoted Carolyn Peck, who was an assistant coach on our team. So we didn't have as much change as much transition. So that was good. And, and we sort of picked up where we left off. And the thing that I learned and two years later, we won a national championship. The thing that I learned through the whole process was about ownership. You know, I, I didn't take a lot of ownership when I was a freshman coming into college about who was coming into our program, where we were as a program, how, how I affect, you know, where we're going as a program. I was just a part of the program. And after all of the turmoil after my freshman year and, and Nell Fortner coming in and, you know, sort of myself and, and my teammate and, and great friend, Yukari Figs, we just sat down and we're like, look, we're not going through this again. So when we're going through the recruiting process, we are going to communicate about what we're about. Like, this is who we are. Like, you know, not, not forgetting what the coaches are saying to these players, but the reality is we're locked in, we're focused. We have a goal. We have certain players that we want to play with, right? Certain people we want to be uh, bring into the program. It's more about the culture that we're creating. And so for the first time, I really understood taking some ownership about that and being vocal about it. You know, and, and to give our head coaches credit, they were incredibly um, open to our feedback while we're going through this process, while we're trying to get to a, another level. And it made our journey so much better because we did it with people that we trusted, that we counted on, that were in line with our vision as a program. And, uh, and, and it really collectively, you know, helped me understand teamwork, sacrifice, how everybody plays their part being a star in your role, all of these things that, that transcends sport into business and, and into life. So those conversations that you started having with recruits that, that were coming in, Co Coach Peck had the opportunity to take the WNBA job. Mm -hmm. Did you, so now I'm picturing in my head, did you all come together and then have a conversation with her about what was, what was possible that upcoming year? Cause she decided against it and 
and stayed that year, correct? We did. And, you know, it, it wasn't quite as seamless as that. You know, I sure. think uh, for, for, for myself, um, I was hurt again, <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh, like another coach is going to leave. We're going to have four coaches in four years. And, um, you know, at, at the time, especially not having been in coaching and, and you being a young person, like I, I, I didn't understand the opportunity that she had. You know, all I thought about was how it was affecting, you know, me and our program. Like, we are knocking on the door of the national championship and you want to leave? Like, I'm so sick of being a stepping stone, right? Like, I don't want our program to be a stepping stone. And I took, I had great pride in Purdue University and what we were doing as, as a program. Um, and Yukari, my great friend and teammate, told her, okay, well, we've gotten better every single year that somebody's left. So go ahead, like, see you later. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was one of those two, you know, you see our opposite personalities. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think that hearing us in, in whatever immature ways that we, that we, you know, communicated at the time, but hearing how much pride we took in where we were and, and, and where we were going, you know, I think it, it, it helped, um, Carolyn see that, that what it meant to us and what it could mean to her. And so she was able to put it off for a year, um, and, and, and then go the year after that, which, which was, which was awesome. Like we were so happy, that she stayed. We were so happy. We didn't have to go through the transition. And I'm not sure we would have won a national championship without keeping that core group together. Mm -hmm. Coach, what else stands out to you about that year? You only lost one game. And I mean, in the final four, you beat uh, Louisiana tech as mm -hmm. well. What yes. stands out to you? Like when you, when you kind of reflect on that, that whole season, um, the, the, the selflessness of our group, um, players, understanding um, each other's roles, understanding how to help each other be successful, um, putting ego aside for a greater good, um, pushing and challenging each other with respect and integrity, um, you know, and, and valuing every single member um, of our program from, you know, the head coach in Carolyn to our, our managers that, you know, brought us the water and wiped up the floors and, you know, the, the three walk-ons we had on our team that joined our team, you know, when Nell Fortner was there that, that stayed with us and the way they prepared us every day in practice, but never got to play. Um, the, 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 they didn't pout about it. They didn't, you know, they, they got it. They got what they were a part of. Um, you know, we didn't have entitlement on that team. And we had a great group who competed every day for each other. Now it wasn't, we're, we were like a family. We had our, our moments, right. But, but at, at the end of the day, we're for each other and what we, what we could accomplish together. And, you know, oftentimes um, when I tell my story about, about our team, you know, players now don't understand uh, because they didn't have that experience. They didn't have the, the tight knit, close, you know, family respect, love, lack of ego, um, that our team had. And, and, and that experience was special. And, and I think as we look back on it, you know, every, every year or anytime we get an opportunity to get together, we talk all the time about, man, we're so thankful that we had this experience because most college athletes did not. How, and, and when you bring that up, cause I mean, we talk about knowing your role being selfless, how did how did you all go about that with that team? I think the most important thing was, you know, who we brought into our program. And again, I go back to going through recruiting processes, 
you know, we, we, when we had official visits or when we talked to players who were going to come into our programs, we could get a pretty good feel about the type of character people that they were. And, and we could have um, direct conversations with our coaching staff about, Hey, like this person would fit awesome. Like we really need to like nail this, like let's get in there. Um, what do we need to do? And if somebody didn't fit, they trusted us enough and our maturity and awareness enough to, to, to say, now, look, I don't know what kind of player she is, but didn't quite fit because of this, right? Or because of that. Um, but I, I also think that that was the respect and, and um, awareness and maturity level that, that you know, our, our team had at the time and our coaches had for us just through our experience. I mean, um, Carrie Kermeens, who was an assistant coach on that team, Pam Stackhouse who was an assistant coach on our team, and Carolyn, as she was an assistant, they got to know us. Um, and who we were as, as players and, and, and knew our big picture goals. Um, and they trusted us. And, and I think that that was important. And the other thing was, you know, we were, especially, I say we, meaning mostly Yukari and I, because we were the whole, sort of the holdovers. Um, we were pretty transparent about, about what we wanted and, and, and how we were going to get there. You know, we, we beat Tennessee the first game of the year. Um, and then we had a couple of players who wanted to go out and celebrate afterwards and, and do some things that they shouldn't have been doing. And we brought them in right away. And we're like, look, we can do all that after the end of the season, after we win a national championship right now, like we got to stay locked in. Now I look back a little bit and say, mm, that might've been a little rigid, right? Like we're college students. We're supposed to have some fun, but at the same time, because of our experience and because we knew where, or we believed, I should say, where we, where we could go, um, we wanted to stay pretty locked in. So. You know, from a leadership standpoint, we ran a pretty tight ship. Um, we held people accountable. We allowed them to hold us accountable. Um, and and we, we pushed and challenged to be the best that we could be. And we had an amazing experience with some amazing people. I love that, Coach. Pam Stackhouse, also uh, Louisiana Tech connection there. Yes, that's Very right. Very nice. Very that's nice. Right. Um, is the process especially that time when you were players, was the process more important than that product of holding up that trophy and, and reaching that mountaintop? No doubt about it. No Can doubt about, about it. that. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you don't really, you don't really sense that or, or understand that until you look back. Um, you know, certainly all of the, the trials, the tribulations, the work, the sacrifice, we're worth it when you're holding up the national championship trophy. Um, when you're coming back and you're celebrating with your university, it's like, okay, this is why we did all this. Right. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's like, you got a trophy that's hanging up on a wall and you got a ring that's sitting in a drawer somewhere. Um, and every time we think back on it, it's about, Oh man, Hey, remember when we got in trouble and we had to run those sprints or remember when we went sledding down Slater Hill after, you know, the game or, you know, the moment on the bus when this happened or that happened, uh, and, and, and how we, how did we come together like that? You know, those moments. And so when you look back on it, you realize the process was then the journey. You know, what's the reward? We're still tight to this day. And, and some of us talk a lot more than others, but when we get together, it's like, you know, visiting your family again and seeing your sisters again. And, you know, the experiences that we had, the process, um, was challenging, um, the process was difficult. The process was, was great. And, you know, we had amazing moments. Um, and, and, and that journey was the gift. And, and I think anytime you get an opportunity to look back on that, but especially, you know, for us, because 
we won the national championship at the beginning of April. And at the end of July, one of our teammates was killed by a drunk driver. So it helped us understand again and brought into perspective, like we're on the highest of highs for winning the national championship and the lowest of lows, losing a teammate and then reflecting on it wasn't the championship. Like it was the journey. So I think life tends to sometimes um, humble us and remind us um, of, of what we learned through our process. Awards are, are great and awards are, are something that as, as um, athletes we strive for um, and that we get, to, we get to put up and we get to show, but it's not why we do it, um, you know, and it's not um, who, who we are, it's who we become through the process of getting to that point. And, and I think we're constantly, life constantly has a way of reminding us, you know, of those things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't aware of that coach. I appreciate you sharing that. Yes. Yeah, it was, um, it was a tough time. And again, it was one of those moments where, you know, Yukari Figs and I were playing professionally at the time when it happened in the WNBA. And, you know, we both missed games and, and, and went back and went to the celebration of life with our family, um, and our, and our teammates and, and, our teammates in the WNBA were like, you know, Oh, well, well, you were close. Like you were, she's our teammate. What do you mean? Were we close? Yeah, we were family. We were sisters. And so again, I think it speaks to the experience that we had that not a lot of people had in their college career. Um, But for us, you know, it gave us an opportunity again to come together and talk about our journey and talk about, you know, our sister and to, to remember our sister and remember perspective. When, when you get to the WNBA, you talked about it, obviously, again, being a whole next level and leveling up. Um, your expectations stayed the same, but obviously mm-hmm. the level was different. Yes. Walk us through that challenge for you. Yeah, it was, um, it, it was again, you know, life has a way of humbling us. Um, you know, you come in on the, on the highest of highs and, and winning a national championship. And I played all the time, you know, as a, as a college player. Um, came in and, and, you know, had a decent rookie year. Um, and then was a part of a, of a expansion draft and trade that happened that brought me back to Indiana on an expansion team. And, you know, you go from, from being a, a, a really good player, um, to, to becoming, you know, a role player for me at the pro level. And, you know, I was one of those players who, uh, I guess now I would say I was system kid, right? Like I, I fit at, um, a certain system. Um, I wasn't like a, a create your own shot kind of one-on-one player that was, that was able to just make a play. Um, and, and the, the college game fit me more, right. It fit me more. Um, and then now, going I saw to- on your, I saw on your Instagram feed where you drove right and you, and you put an and one. So don't, <laughs> don't tell me you didn't have that. But- uh, maybe, maybe a little bit. Okay. Um, but you know, now it's a different level, right? It's a different level. It's a different game. Uh, and, and different systems and different coaches and different players and, and everybody's great. Everybody's great. So, you know, being able to find a way to, to separate, you know, myself and, and, and separate yourself as a player. Um, and, and you, but you know, what, one of the greatest things that, that, um, one of the greatest perspectives I had was that team at Purdue, because as I'm now on the bench being a role player, like, you know, I, I, I didn't. I, I never was a very good defender and look, you're not going to get on the floor if you can't defend at the pro level, especially. Um, but, but being a role player, you know, I thought back to my experiences at Purdue and how important every single player on the bench was for us that were playing the game. 
their energy, you know, their commitment to challenging us every day in practice, their commitment to getting better, their commitment to being ready when their number was called. Um, and so I, I had to remind myself of that, like, look, you're in a different role. How are you going to be a star in your role? Um, you don't have to like it, right? But, but how are you going to be a great teammate? How are you going to position yourself for when your number is called that you're ready? You know, there were games where I played more than more than others. Um, there were there were I had years that I had that were better than others, you know, at the pro level. And unfortunately, my pro career was cut short because of some injuries. Um, but at the same time, because I had that experience to fall back on and how important those teammates were to me when I played all the time. I wanted to be that for my teammates that were playing at the time while constantly trying to, to be a better pro and constantly trying to expand my game and get better to, to compete at the highest level for as long as I could. But it was, it, it's humbling and it's hard. What, do you, what did you notice about the time that those um, that kind of get to the league that just don't, because you obviously you had injuries um, that derailed your career, but what, what do you notice about the, the athletes that get there that don't successfully make that transition? Yeah, it's, um, First and foremost, like you can't rest on what you've already accomplished. You have to hone your craft every single day. Like it's your job now. It's your job. And in, in college, you're balancing school and, 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 and basketball and training and, you know, social stuff and all of those things. Um, but at the end of the day in college, you went to the gym and then you went home. Right. And in and, and the pros, if you go to the gym and then you go home, you're missing out on a lot of opportunity to get better. So what are you doing, you know, in your, in your off time? You know, how are you continuing to train? How are you continuing to get better? What are you doing from a nutrition and wellness and recovery standpoint? You know, I always say it takes pros three to four years to kind of figure it out. Um, you know, now, nowadays, it wasn't like this when, when I was playing, but nowadays we know so much more when it comes to, to you know, prehab, rehab, nutrition, you know, sleep, wellness, all of these things, meditation. I mean, all these things that can prepare your, your mind and your body to be the best that you can be. How are you, how are you applying those to, to your job and to your life? You know, how are, how are you utilizing your time? Cause you don't have to be in the gym for two hours to get better, right? You can be in the gym for 30 minutes to get better. So, so how are you applying all of these things? Um, and the ones who, who chop wood and carry water, right? The ones who, who, who hone their craft, the ones who are, are locked in and focused on that, as well as the, the mental and studying the game and watching film and, and being better and studying opponents and you know, using all the resources that are available, they position themselves to have long careers. Also, the ones who can handle failure, because a lot of times you get knocked in the mouth. There are plenty of success stories right now in the WNBA of players who got cut from five or six teams but have now had multiple year careers. There's a 31 year old rookie right now in the WNBA played overseas, continued to get better, continued to get better and now has an opportunity and is ready when her numbers call. So the, the thing that I, that I noticed is just, you have to have an awareness. You have to have a toughness. You have to have a, a healthy ego, but humility enough to know that every single day, your job can be taken away from you every single day. What am I pouring into my profession to be the best that I can be to play as long as I can play. And when did the love of coaching start to transform and come out? 
Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, coaching was threw me for a curveball. I didn't expect that. Um, you know, as a player, you always think you're going to play forever. Right. Um, and, and I didn't really know what I was going to do when I stopped playing. Um, I was really lucky because I was playing in Indiana, which is where I was from, where I played college basketball. Um, I had a, a coach up the road at Ball State named Tracy Roller, who came to a fever game and I was playing. And she asked me, she's like, hey, you ever thought about coaching? And I'm, no, it never crossed my mind. <laughs> I have a job that's open. Um, do you have any interest? Um, and my first thought was like, no, I'm not ready to be done playing. Like, I'm not trying to. And she's like, no, 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 you can do both. Right. Like, you know, it would help us recruiting. It would help you, you know, transition if this is something that you want to do and kind of figure out. Um, if, if this is a path that you might want to take. And so I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'd like to try that out. Uh, it happened to work out where I just torn my ACL the year that I was, I was transitioning into to coaching with, with Ball State. But I remember the first day I stepped on the floor at, at practice and it was like I was home. It, mm -hmm. it was like I was home. It, you know, all of the things that I felt like made me a successful player, um, you know, came from right here. Like I knew the game. I studied the game. I loved the game. I love to watch film. I love to be in the gym. No, I, I, I loved all of those things about it. And that just transitioned smoothly right into coaching. Um, and I was a worker, like I'm, I'm a worker. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to make sure that I know anything and everything that, that I can. I might not have all the physical tools or, or, or gifts um, that, that other people do, um, but I'm not going to be outworked. And, and when I step foot into practice and in film sessions and doing scouting reports and, and breaking down, you know, stuff with our guards and position work and you know, thinking about ways to attack opponents, I felt at home. I felt at home and I knew that was what I wanted to do. Biggest lessons you got from your nine years as assistant coach, what, what stands out to you then? Uh, again, I think a couple of things. One, um, be the best that you can be for your head coach, right? Give them all the information that you have, all the suggestions that you have, um, you know, do what they, what it is that they need you to do for, for our team and our program to be successful um, while continuing to, you know, strive for your goals. Cause I wanted to be a head coach. There's no doubt about it, but learning how to, again, be a star in my role at that moment um, took a little bit of adjustment, um, to, but, but be the best that I can be for our head coach, you know, you know do, do what I can to help our team be successful, um, continue to get better, you know, every, every single day, communicate my suggestions and my thoughts, but be humble enough that, you know, sometimes they're going to use it and sometimes they're not. And, and you have to be okay with that. You have to get that. Um, because when I was in the position then to be the head coach and, and, and hearing all of these things and really helping young coaches understand like, look, these are all really good suggestions. Now I have to do what I feel is best or take whichever suggestions I feel are best to apply to this specific moment based on my experience, right? And so those were all learning experiences for me to get to that point. Uh, I also was incredibly grateful to, to work for a lot of great coaches um, and a lot of coaches who some of them, you know, taught me in ways that, that really empowered me, um, gave me a lot of responsibility, pushed me and challenged me in ways that I wasn't really um, aware of. Um, and, and some were and some, you know, pigeonholed and put in different positions that I thought, okay, well, if, if I ever get to be a head coach, you know, I want to make sure that every one of my assistants feels valued, that they all are able to continue to grow and expand in, in their role. Because I don't want people who just want to be assistant coaches for me for 10, 12 years. Like I want people who want to be great assistant coaches while they're here, 
but have uh, aspirations of owning their own program and running their own program and aspirations of, of, of not just being pigeonholed into one area, but growing and getting better in all of these different areas that can impact programs, whether they're head coaches or not. And, um, and, and I learned that just from my experiences with a lot of different head coaches. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome, coach. When, um, when you moved one seat over, what uh, walk us through that that initial experience then for you and, and and where you were at that at that point? Yeah, it's um it was different. It was different because you're calling all the shots. Um, you know, especially when it comes to playing time. Because when I moved one seat over, I was a pro coach, and you know, pros expect to play, right? And pros pros want to play. And and the thing I learned because Linda, who was my mentor and who was the head coach that I worked for in Indiana. Um, she gave me a lot of responsibility in game timeouts. She'd let me sometimes run the show, right? She, in practice, she put me in positions for that in game. She put me in positions for that. There were days where we, we would have practice and it'd be 30 minutes before and she wasn't there and she'd call me and she'd say, Oh yeah, I forgot. I had this. I need you to run practice. Oh, and not just run practice, but you need to put practice together. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, at the time I'm like, what? Like, uh, it, but, but now looking back, it's like, she did that on purpose, right. To help me prepare to be the head coach. So um, I was fortunate to have some in-game experience as well because she put me in those positions. Um, but when it came to roster management, when it came to communication with players, when it came to rotations, when it came to to calling call the shots, making the adjustments, um, I think my my greatest asset is just my gut and my the game because I, I instinctually had, had, a, had a good understanding of the game and listening to my players um, and listening to my staff. And, and I learned that because of my playing experience as from a player's perspective. And I learned that from working with great people from a staff perspective. Um, so there were adjustments. There's no doubt about it. Um, there were, it was not always smooth sailing. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I trusted um, our staff. I trusted our players. They trusted me. And, um, and we communicated through any of those, those issues. And at the end of the day, sometimes we had, I had to make hard calls that weren't always popular. Um, but I felt like, you know, I prepared for that because my, the people, my mentors helped me prepare for that. Right. And when I screwed up, I owned it and, and, and moved on and got better from it. Yeah. So coach in, in 2016, then you become head coach at, at Vanderbilt university and you've spoken about this. I mean, the, um, it was the biggest growth, one of the biggest growth of your life. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you talk us through, you know, sort of those initial couple of years and, and how that took place? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the first year, of course, you're running on all adrenaline. Everything is new and, you know, you're excited about new opportunities and there's, there's some, some positive momentum just because there's change, um, you know, came in. And um, I know this just from being a player who played for a lot of different coaches, there's certainly some anxiety with the new coach, but there's also excitement in mm-hmm. that it's going to be different than, than what we've experienced this, this point or new players coming in a little anxious about this, but this coach didn't recruit me. How will they use me? How will I fit in? Um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, year one was just straight adrenaline. I think we overachieved in, in, in year one. Um, you know, we had some two great senior leaders, um, you know, on the, on that team that just really helped me, helped our staff, helped our, our team with a lot of young players. Um, and, and then quickly I learned, you know, from, a college basketball perspective, um, just different, different mentality, right. Different mentality and a lot of managing, um, you know, 
players who want more playing time, players who want to go other places, whether it's, you know, transfers, whether the recruiting process of now recruiting to a high academic institution that's in a great conference, but hadn't had some success for a little while, had a past success, certainly, but had had hit a little bit of a lull. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking great education, great league, great city. Why wouldn't people want to come here? Right. Like, why wouldn't they? But there are a lot of different reasons that people make choices of, of, of where they go. So recruiting was much, much more difficult um, than I had expected at the time. Um, academic rigors are, are different, um, certainly have restrictions. Um, and and, and b- rebuilding um, was tough. It was something, you know, certainly our staff, we enjoyed. We had a great time, um, you know, especially in those first couple of years, just, just sort of reinventing what we were going to be about. Um, I wanted to bring a lot of my pro style stuff to college. Some mm-hmm. of it worked, some of it didn't. Um, I wanted to bring a lot of my pro style mentality and communication. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. Um, that do, was an adjustment have, for me. Ex- do you have an example coach? Yeah. You know, I think um, at the end of the day, the biggest thing for me is just, is, you know, they're still kids. So they, they, they can't, they, they don't have the understanding yet of, of sort of, you know, real world, what, what it takes. Um, right. They're still adjusting to now, again, I, I look, think back to the difference between, you know, an 18, 19 year old in college and a 22, 23 year old rookie is life experience, not just basketball experience, but it's life experience. And so managing time, managing commitment, um, you know, managing success and failures, disappointments, frustration, you know, communicating, managing social media, um, you know, discipline, like all of these different things um, that we all know are different when we're 18, 19 years old than they are when we're, you know, 22, 23 or 43, 44, you know, like the, the different phases of life. So, you know, I think for me, um, I had to, to bring a little bit more scale back a little bit more in terms of freedom um, and, and in terms of, um, you know, um, and I use the word discipline, but not really what I mean in terms of discipline, just structure, maybe mm-hmm. a, a little a little bit more in terms of structure. Um, you know, I didn't like to have long practices, but we weren't getting through things as quickly as we, we did in the pros. Right. So it's just different adjustments like that that I had to make. Um, at the end of the day, we also had a lot of under underground growth that needed to be done in terms of culturally where the program was, where we wanted to go. Um, and, and I, I felt really good about where we were going with that. Um, and, and still feel really good about, about where we left it better than we found it. Um, you know, we weren't able to turn the, pro- the, the, the program around as quickly as we wanted to on the court in terms of wins and losses. Um, and then of course, just like, you know, anything we thought we were, well, we felt like we were making really good progress um, and then COVID hits, um, you know, and then we have social justice and, and, and with, with George Floyd and all of the different things that were happening during COVID and, and we're isolated and sport, um, you know, work, human connection, like we need to be around people, right. To, to, we need to be around people for, to, to feel and to heal and to help and to grow and, and COVID kept us isolated, you know, COVID kept us, you know, two or three in the gym at a time, or if we could, right. Right. Or, 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 or not, not in meetings to be able to talk about these difficult life things that are going on. We're talking about them over zoom. Like you can't feel hugs over zoom. Like you can't, you can see emotion, but you can't feel emotion over zoom. Like there was just so much going on. Um, and during that time I was also going through some personal stuff. So it was an incredibly difficult 
time to manage um, professionally uh, our development as a team, to manage emotionally, you know, our, our connectivity, our growth, um, and and to continue to try to um, to push through so many unknowns in the COVID reality um, that that single handedly was the toughest, you know, two year, um, um, timeframe in my coaching career. What stands out to you about what, um, you know, your players were kind of going through, through that, because again, I mean, our, our experience was way different from somebody that's going to be in college going through it. What, What did you, what stood out to you about what they were experiencing? Yeah, I, I, um, I think the biggest thing was just, um, pain and isolation, like feeling like you're alone. Um, you know, we, we can't, we can't imagine, um, you know, we can be empathetic, but we can't really imagine what, what our, what our teammates and even our coworkers, you know, are, are going through, um, and, and, you know, trying to, to be there and trying to be, um, an ally, trying to be an asset, um, while also needing to be isolated, um, w- was really difficult. I think there was a lot of loneliness. I think there was a lot of pain. I think there's a lot of, um, fear. Um, I mean, I know, I know even myself felt fear, um, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, for, for me, um, some of it I handled well, some of it I didn't handle well, you know, certainly as in our staff, some of it we handled well, some of it we didn't handle well. Um, and, and, and looking back on it now, knowing what we know in terms of, um, you know, COVID and different ways to connect and different things that we can do. Um, we, we all, we all, uh, do the best that we can to, I think, push through certain situations. And once we know better, we do better. Right. Um, but I just think there were so many unknowns and so much fear and so much isolation that it's difficult for us as, as adults, um, to go through that, let alone, you know, players who college students who are 18, 19, 20 years old, um, away from home for the first time. And, and, you know, not having the support system in terms of physically having the support system that we were used to. Right. And I always think about, cause it was, um, I always think the way that athletes cope right or wrong, but the way that they cope is through their sport. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think injured athletes, you remove their primary coping mechanism. So let's face it, right. Hey, if sports yes. going, okay, life just works out. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be okay. But if you remove that primary coping mechanism, now we have to deal, handle and cope with things that, we, we never had to. And now it's a, mm-hmm. it's a lot larger situation than, than, than what we were faced with before. Yes, absolutely. Right. You don't have your escape. <laughs> what you talked about, um, you know, pushing through your head down, you know, sucking up mentality. It, it just wasn't working anymore for mm-hmm. you. And you had to be able to lean on others. What would you have done different coach? Like during that time, knowing what you know now, I think I would have, um, communicated better. I think I would have opened up more. Uh, you know, I think part of the head down, pushing through, uh, mentality was also like, I don't need help. I have to deal with this on my own. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, nobody's going to know what's going on in my life. I was also a very private person. Um, and, and, you know, prideful person. And, and, and I think, um, you know, for me, sometimes, um, weakness was showing pain showing struggle, showing, you know, hurt, you know, that, that was, that was also strength at a time when it got me to where I wanted to go. Right. But then, you know, eventually uh, all of that 
all of that stuff that you sort of suppress inside is going to come, come up. Um, if I could do anything different, I would have, I would have leaned on, I have a lot of people in my circle that, that, um, that are, that I have that are tight, right? Like that I have, I have a small circle, but I have a trustworthy circle and I have a, a, a tight knit circle. Mm-hmm. I would have leaned on those people. I would have expressed some of my concerns, um, some of my thoughts, some of my struggles. Um, and I would have helped uh, and allowed them to, uh, to lift me up, right. Allowed them to, to help me through. And, um, you know, that's something that is, is, was a learning process for me. I think a lot of athletes, uh, I think a lot of athletes in specific specifically, which is, why I'm so thankful that we have a lot of mental health resources now because we're taught that, you know, you just put one foot in front of the other and you soldier on, you push through, you're not supposed to be afraid. You're not supposed to have doubt. You're not supposed to have weakness. You know, you're supposed to always be confident and you're supposed to always be, be, be good. And, um, you know, and I, and I, I think this way, even, you know, it makes me think of fans, like, you know, fans say a lot of hurtful things to athletes all the time. And I think sometimes it's very difficult for people to remember that athletes are human beings. Athletes have the same, you know, struggles um, that, that most people have. Um, but yet, but if I had to do it over again, I would, I would lean on my circle a little bit more and I would express, you know, some of the things that I was going through. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that coach. That's why I knew it was going to be a great interview with, um, with respect to the student athlete nowadays. Cause if I ever say like back in the day, Mm-hmm. Back in the day was what 2006, 2008. Right. <laughs> maybe maybe now it's 2010. Like what what have you noticed that has changed in terms of uh, mentality? Because again, I mean the transfer uh, portal, right? I mean social network, and I mean just the fact of people get in somebody's ear. What have you noticed though has changed the most in terms of you know today's athlete? Um, you know, I think on a on a positive side, there's a lot mm-hmm. more empowerment. You know, that athletes are empowered now to use their voice in ways that they haven't been before. Um, athletes are, are empowered to speak their minds in ways that they haven't before. They have options that they haven't had before, you know, not just in terms of, of, of NIL, um, but, but they have options in terms of just, um, you know, what they want to do and where they want to go and um, being able to make change and create change. Uh, it, it's there now. I, I think on the um, on the the negative, for lack of a better term, side, there's a lot of entitlement that comes with that, um, and and a lot of uh, you know sort of the struggles that that we spoke about. Like y- you're going to fail, right? And you're going to have setbacks, and 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 you're not going to like everything and everyone all the time. And you no, know, you need to be able to be coached and pushed and challenged. Um, while communicating your needs and communicating your wants and, and, and getting better. You know, I, I think that sometimes we remove the struggle so much from young people that they don't quite know how to overcome those setbacks. Um, you know, one of the things that I talk about with my own children is like, I, they need to fail. Like they need to know what it's like to fail. Um, and I love my children and I will celebrate them, you know, all, all the time but I'm not going to celebrate you doing something you're supposed to do. Like if you're supposed to take out the trash, you take out the trash. You're not getting, you know, this from me. Right. Um, but I will help you and I will lift you and I would encourage you. And I want you to know how to resolve conflict by communicating, not texting. You know, I, I want you to know how to stand up for yourself and stand up for others in a respectful 
you know, educated manner. Um, I want you to know that you got to spend time out there on your own. And if you have a problem and you can't solve it, you know, then I'll come in and I'll help, but I'm not solving it for you. You know, I, I think that there are so many ways that, that we as parents and, and, and as society want to make life better or easier, right. That for, for our children, than we had it for us, but that doesn't mean eliminating all the things that make us who we are. Uh, and, 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 and so I, I would say from that standpoint, um, you know, the transfer portal is crazy. It's out of control. Like, you know, there's, it's, I look at it all the time and you see, you know, players on their third or fourth school in three or four years. Like, what is that? What are we teaching them? Now, certainly I'm, I'm, I'm for players being able to transfer. Like not every situation is what you thought and not every situation right. fits. Um, but, but, but why are we, you know, doing it so frequently and what lessons are we learning? And I think the other piece that I would advise, um, you know, parents and student athletes on is, you got to do your homework then, right? Like if we're having to transfer so many times, we haven't done our homework on where it is we're going in the first place. Why are we going there? You know, or the educational piece, you know, who we're going to, to be with, who we're going to be surrounded by, the experiences that we're going to have. We've got to do a little bit more homework. Um, I just don't think that, that all of the things that are happening right now in college athletics are teaching lessons and life lessons that, that, that transcend the sport because we, I tell my, my children, my own children all the time, oh, that's hard. Yeah, life is hard. Like, it's not always going to be easy. And, and sometimes we have to push through things and work with people and um, be around people that we don't always, you know, uh, agree with, but we've got to be able to work together with. And how do we do that? Um, and so I try to use some of that coaching stuff at, at, at home with my children. Some of the things that I've learned to position them is for as much, um, not just success, but, but to be prepared for life. Yeah, coach, we, um, in, in our, in our house, we do have a couple different rules. And one of them is that you always, uh, at the end of every practice, you always thank the coach, you always shake their hand. And then we even say as well, I mean, shaking the referee's hand because of, um, just how important that is in terms of mm -hmm. life lesson. Um, you said something earlier, and again, it's kind of back to that process and product part. Can you, um, you know, be driven and, and grind and still enjoy the process like along the way while having that ultimate goal that you want to reach? What, what is the balance with that as you see, like as a coach? Well, not every day. You're not going to enjoy every day. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think that sometimes we, we, the phrase, I'm not happy, you know, it, to, to, to me, I, I, I think I take that sometimes with a grain of salt. Like we're not always happy. Like mm -hmm. it's not always joyful. It's not always, um, it, you know, there's struggle involved and there's struggle involved in anything worth having, uh, whether it's relationship, whether it's, you know, accomplishment, whether it's, you know, nobody wants to pull an all nighter to, to get prepared for, for a test. But when you get a great grade on that test, like that's important, right? Like no, nobody wants to, to, you know, lose a game, missing a free throw, but do you want to spend, you know, a couple of hours in the gym a week shooting, you know, an extra 500 free throws a day? Like what are we willing to struggle through to accomplish, you know, what we want? And so, you know, I, I think for me, um, the joy is, and, and the joy, some of the joy is in the struggle, right? The joy is accomplishing what it is that you want to accomplish after the struggle. The joy is once you get through looking back and saying, man, 
I did that. Like, yes, I did that. And for me now, it's like maybe going through a group fitness workout. It's like, now it's a struggle for me. I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. But then once I do it, yes, like I finished that. I did that. So, so I, I think, um, if you enjoy, like I enjoy going to the gym every day. Do I enjoy it while I'm in the gym every day? No, I don't. Did I enjoy practice every day as a player? Heck no. Did I enjoy when the coach was on me? Heck no. But you know what? When I was out there with my teammates and, and, and we won and we, we, we celebrated and we look back and we think about all the things that we went through, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. If I go out and I shoot hoops in the, in the driveway right now, I hate it when I miss a shot. Like, I don't like being out there working. But then at the end of the day, when I'm done, it's like, I, I do. I like it. So, you know, there, there's still joy and passion because I love basketball. Like I love what I do every single day um, because I love basketball. I don't love some of the struggle that comes with doing it. We don't love all the preparation that we always have to do. Um, right. Uh, not all the time. Um, so I, I think let's be realistic. Um, it doesn't mean we're going to be happy all the time. It doesn't mean we're going to be joyful all the time. It doesn't mean we're going to smile all the time. There are so many tears with being, you know, a successful athlete. There are so many tears with being a successful business person. There are so many things that you have to go through. Um, but at the same time, there is joy when you get to where you want to go. There is joy when you can look back on, on that moment. You can look back on a practice and you know, we did that together. And I'll never forget Carolyn Peck saying the, the one thing that she said before um, we went to, I think we went to Europe um, the, after she had almost taken the job at, in Orlando. She was like, I don't care if you guys are united against me because you're so upset with me as long as you're united for each other and with each other. And, and that, that always struck me because, you know, coaches aren't your friends. Um, coaches are there to mentor you, to mold you like parents, to push you beyond where you think you can go to challenge you, to encourage you, and then to hug you and to support you and to do all of those things. Um, but you have to find that, that strength in you. You have to find the joy in the struggle. Um, and then when you look back and you, and, and you find the joy in everything that you've done because of that struggle, I, I think that's where you really see it. Because, you know, every day is not, every day is not roses. Mm -hmm. Want to listen to your favorite music, but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today? Tune in to KukoRadio.com. Music for your mindset. We're a commercial-free online radio station. Play nothing but hits. Our free iOS and Android apps are available for download at kukoradio.com. Coach, I've really enjoyed this interview, and I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm I'm really selfish because like I get, I get fired up like listening to this. It's like I have my own personal coach telling me like how I need to approach today. So I love it. What what question though am I asking that? Uh, or what question haven't I asked that I should be asking? Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that I would probably uh, address, um, especially for, for young people, and I catch this with my own kids as well, is that, that often now with social media and with everything on television, um, you know, I think we have unrealistic expectations sometimes of what our life is supposed to be like. Um, or what our sport is supposed to be like, or what we're supposed to be like. Um, you know, it, it's, this is not, life is not the Instagram filtered reality that we see. It's just not. And, and I think sometimes uh, in alluding to the, the, the joy and the struggle, 
Um, now we don't get to filter our experiences. Like you can filter those photos, you know, and, 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 you know, looking at what other people are accomplishing and trying to compare what you're accomplishing in your journey to those other people. Uh, you know, it's just, it's not sustainable and it's not realistic. Um, and, and you've got to be willing to eliminate or minimize, cause I don't know that you can eliminate, minimize, you know, some of these projected realities of what you think your, your life and your journey is supposed to be like. Um, and also the comparisons and, 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 you know, have a little bit more self-confidence and awareness of where you are and how you want to get to where you want to go and a plan to get there and a plan to get there. So, you know, I, I, that's, that's my two cents about the, about the Instagram sort of, sort of world. And then the other piece and, and my kids are the same way. It's like, they, they look and, you know, they think they're Steph Curry. So they're going to go out there, Jack and Jack and threes. And I'm like, you can't jack those threes if you can't make five shots right in front of the rim in a row, right? Like if you can't dribble between your legs and behind your back, if you can't dribble with your right hand and your left hand with your eyes up, like looking at me while, while we're doing this. So, you know, uh, again, I think uh, a sort of scaled back reality of, of where we are and a process to get to where we want to get to without being influenced by all of these external factors and outside, um, outside things. Yeah, I see that so often in every sport, but if those fundamentals are not there, like if that foundation is not solid, it will crumble at some yes. point. And I see them like trying to skip steps in terms of, um, you know, trying to do different moves that you may pull it off once every four games, but, but, but you got to work mm -hmm. on the slide step, mm -hmm. you know? And I remember, right. yeah, I remember Greg Anthony spoke that. I think it was this past year. He was like, you're never going to go to the YMCA and see people working on their defensive step. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I do. I appreciate you sharing that. Yes. Um, coach again, thank you so much really for taking the time and, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to mental toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. To find out more about Dr. Rob, visit his website at drrobbell.com or follow him on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of mental toughness as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.